Last Sabbath afternoon, I'm sure many of you know that news went out around our world that Senator John McCain had passed away as a result of a brain tumor. Senator McCain was previously, and even more so in this past week, uh, referred to as a hero within our nation. He served in the military of the United States, but not only did he serve in the military of the United States, but, but he was wounded as a soldier here or in, for our country. And then when he was wounded and shot down over Hanoi in Vietnam, he was a prisoner of war for more than five years. As a result of the injuries he suffered when his plane crashed and the lack of care that he experienced and the torture that he experienced over those, those five plus years in Hanoi, John McCain was a, unable to do many things that, that many of us take for granted. He was unable to put on his own shirt or his own jacket. He was unable to comb his hair. I heard one politician tell the story that just before they were to go out before a debate, John McCain pulled a comb out of his pocket and handed it to the person he was going to debate and said, can you fix my hair for me? Many of those freedoms and those things that we value, he did not have opportunity of. He then went on to serve in the House of Representatives for just two terms, and then for nearly three decades, he served in the United States Senate. Today, in fact, down at National Cathedral, there is a service being held for him where a few thousand people will gather as two former presidents of the United States and many other dignitaries will share words of tribute and honor and respect to Senator McCain's life of service. And that is much of the refrain that you will hear over and over in, this, in that service, and it is what we have heard over and over throughout this past week. John McCain's life was a life dedicated to service. I've seen it as the headline of magazine articles and on newspapers. I've seen it in the Twitter feed as, as fellow congressmen and congresswomen shared their, their reflections on John McCain. He was a man of service. It is highly unlikely that any of us in here will ever be eulogized by two former presidents. I think that's probably safe to say. It's unlikely that any of us will probably lie in state in the Capitol Rotunda and have thousands of people line up to walk by our casket. We won't likely have the distinction of being referred to as a presidential nominee of a particular party or even as a senator. But it is possible and it is even likely and I would say hopeful that all of us could have it said over our lives that they lived lives dedicated to service. That they lived lives dedicated to service. I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Galatians. As Dr. Callan just read a moment ago, Galatians chapter 5. And while you're turning there, I want to continue down the, the illustration line of of John McCain, as I, as I share with you some words that John, uh, Senator McCain wrote many, many years ago. He said, in prison, I fell in love with my country. I had loved her before then, but, but like most young people, my affection was little more than a simple appreciation for the comforts and privileges most Americans enjoyed and took for granted. 
It wasn't until I had lost America, her freedom for a time that I realized how much I loved her. John McCain on many occasions, and if you are like me and enjoy watching C-SPAN, you've heard this before. If you're one of those ones that likes to watch the congressional proceedings, any takers? We're gonna have a C-SPAN party. There's gonna be three of us there. Uh, John McCain, you can view his speeches, even past speeches online. You would hear this refrain over and over again, especially as he became very passionate about something that, that he would state that he served this nation out of his belief in her ideals and appreciation for the freedoms that she, our nation, provides. Freedom led John McCain to service. Paul writing to the church in Galatia, writes in Galatians chapter five and verse one, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. This passage is speaking of uh, what Carl, Charles Cousar in his, in his commentary aptly stated this way. Christ has set us free means that God's decisive salvation has been accomplished. As Elder Knott prayed just a minute ago, has been accomplished and a complete change of allegiances has been effected. No longer bound to taskmasters like sin, the law, and death. Christians are now set in service to God. Freedom sets us in service to God. When we speak of freedom from a patriotic position or, or freedoms that we enjoy within this nation, it means to have the freedom really to choose as we want various things. There's big important choices that we have the freedom to choose. Who we will vote for, who we won't vote for, whether even we will vote at all. That's a freedom we enjoy in this country that others don't have. Where we will go to church, what day we'll go to church on, whether or not we'll go to church at all. Another freedom that we enjoy in this nation that maybe others don't have. We also have small freedoms that, that many of us don't even think about. The freedom to, to shop at Amazon or to get in a car and drive to a box store. More and more of us are choosing Amazon. You have the small freedoms of are you gonna eat your sandwich at Subway or Jimmy John's? For those watching around the world, these are two sandwich shops in the United States. Those are small freedoms we, we don't even think about, but we have freedoms to choose. And because Senator McCain had this freedom and because he appreciated his freedom so much, he felt compelled to choose a life of service to the United States. But he could have chosen not to live that life of service. But the freedom that Paul speaks about in Galatians chapter 5 is, is not one in which now that we are saved, we have the choice to do whatever we want, to, to go wherever we want and to live however we want. In fact, the freedom of God is a, what we refer to as a compelling freedom. The freedom of God is a freedom that transforms us to the point that we feel compelled, as John McCain did, compelled to serve. As we observe the, the salvation that we received, the free gift of salvation that we received, not from an intellectual level, but, but as God changes our hearts and, and transforms our lives, we are compelled to serve 
God. We recognize that we're free from the, the, the slavery and oppression of sin. We recognize that we're free from trying to earn our own way into God's salvation and God's grace. We recognize that we are free from, from the, the tyranny of death and, and, and eternal destruction. We see these freedoms and, and it changes something in us and it compels us to serve God. This freedom drives us, as Kusar wrote, into service for God. And what does that service look like? Paul tells us just a few verses down in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. And I'm reading from the New International Version today. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. And here's that change in the idea of what freedom is from free as Americans versus our freedom in, in Jesus. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. Our freedom, which comes through salvation, is expressed in service to God, and that service to God is illustrated visually and in the world by serving one another. That's what Galatians is saying. You've been set free from this bondage. You've been set free from the oppression of sin. Now you are free. And that freedom compels us to, to serve God. And that service to God is lived out in our service to our fellow man. Verse 14 then reads this. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And remember, biblically, when the Bible speaks of our neighbor. It is speaking of everyone. It is speaking of everyone. It's speaking of the person sitting next to you. Go ahead and look at the person next to you. Everyone looks very good today. Don't worry. You won't see anything startling. This is your neighbor, and it's very easy to think, oh, I can, I can serve, serve that person. I can serve that person. I can love that neighbor. But the person who doesn't know anything about Jesus and the person who doesn't know anything about the Seventh-day Adventist Church, that person is your neighbor as well. The person that lives overseas in the Middle East or, or, or in, in Europe somewhere or in Asia somewhere, that is your neighbor as well. The people across the street in Hampshire Greens, those are your neighbors as well. Even the people that you might have strong feelings about in one way or another, maybe say like a Donald Trump or a Hillary Clinton, those are your neighbors as well, biblically. Love your neighbor as yourself. Which then if we understand that everyone is our neighbor, we recognize that, that loving our neighbor as ourself is, is more than just a feeling. Loving our neighbor is an action because we may not have feelings as we don't know someone or, or we may have some strong feelings maybe in one direction. But, but we're still to love them when we realize that loving our neighbor is more than just a feeling, it is an action. So when we are told to use our freedom in service to one another, and then that is defined as, as loving our neighbor, understanding this is an action more than a feeling is very, very, very important. Because if it is only a feeling, then I can sit in my house and I can stare at my computer screen or, or watch my TV and say, I love my neighbor and fulfill what God calls us to fulfill. I can drive by, I can drive in my car and I can look out the window at the person next to me and I go, man, I love you. And I'm fulfilling 
loving my neighbor. I can even pray for all kinds of people all over the world and call that loving my neighbor. But to love one's neighbor truly, in the definition of the Bible, is to serve them in some physical and tangible manner. I want to tell you all something about a recent change that has happened in my life and in my home. In the last month and a half, I have done more laundry and folded more clothes than in the previous 15 years of my marriage. With all the boys going back to school now, Christina's picked up a little more work to uh, pay for Adventist education, which we believe in. And, and as she's gone back to work more, she said, you know, I need some more work around the house. I need some more help around the house. Christina's love language anyways is acts of service, acts of kindness. And she said, I need some more, I see, I need some more help around the house with various things. And she said, it'd be really helpful if you can help me with the laundry. She goes, I am doing laundry all the time. Three boys, y'all. And they're, you know, boys start to stink after a while. And, uh, well, there's four, I guess, in her house. There's four of us. But, but, and she is just, I'm always doing laundry. I'm all, can you, can you help me with the laundry? Can you be the laundry man at our house? That was, be the laundry man. We went to a marriage seminar while we were at camp meeting and the guy talked about being a laundryman. I think that's where she got this idea. I don't know if we'll go back. Seriously though, I could have said to her, listen, I could have said to her, I love you, but yeah, no, I don't do laundry. But I do love you, but I do love you. How would the I love you have sounded on her ears? How would it have resonated in her heart. It probably would have been quite stale and fallen flat. Anyone in agreement with me on that? I love you, but yeah, I'm not doing any laundry. Keep on keeping on, babe. But no, I said, okay, I'll do that. And so I'm now the, the Stuart laundry keeper. And I find myself saying to the boys, put your clothes in the basket. I folded those clothes a day ago. You need to take them and put them away. I am totally different out of this experience. But service is loving our neighbor, not simply saying, well, I love my neighbor. Service, some action is loving our neighbor. Of course, don't just take my word for it and don't just take my illustration for it. It's what the Bible teaches us. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, if you want to flip there real quick, 1 John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, we see this clearly. John writes to us, but if anyone, anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, John concludes, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. The truth is that as Christians, we are to love our neighbors as ourselves, but we're to love in deed and in truth. And the deed is in service to our fellow man. 
Now, some of you may say, well, how do I serve? Well, the Bible really leaves us in no doubt about this. All throughout the Bible, there, there are examples of areas in which we can serve. Isaiah 58 seems like a good place to, to start with that. Isaiah chapter 58, God's speaking through the prophet Isaiah, writing to his followers. In Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 6, the Bible reads, Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? God is speaking to his followers about how they should live. And it seems from what, from what uh, Isaiah is writing and what, the, what God is God's prophesying through him, that they are following many of the spiritual disciplines of being followers of God. They're, they're participating in the prayers, they're participating in the study, they're going maybe to the temple, they are, are fasting. But God is saying these, these spiritual disciplines are, are more than just the action, the activity of those disciplines. There, there's a greater substance to these disciplines. God is saying these spiritual disciplines are, are to reflect more than just the action. It may be like Jesus saying to some of us, you come to church every week, but is this really all the substance of the church is? Isn't the substance of church more than just this? Isn't church supposed to be about something more than just a gathering of people to listen to some nice music, hear some prayers, hear a sermon, talk to some people? Isn't the substance of church more than this? And that's what God was saying about uh, the fasting to the people. And he continues on. Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. There are several areas listed right here in which we can give service to others to work against the injustices of this world. Maybe that's working against, against sex trafficking, working against those who are, are the, the racial uh, disharmony that exists in our world. And we have ministries actually in this church that address both those things. God said to set the oppressed free. This could be helping individuals who are in abusive relationships or coming out of abusive relationships. And we have ministries in this church to address those things. Helping people that are under the oppression of illiteracy, giving food and clothes and shelter are other areas of service that the Bible tells us that we can do for people. And oh, by the way, Isaiah, in chapter 58 and verse 7, reminds us, don't forget to serve your own family in the midst of this as well. So men, maybe some of you want to join me in becoming the laundrymen of your house. Let's not forget our own home in this process. Jesus then in Matthew chapter 25 gives us more areas in which we can serve. He, he covers some of those other areas that, that we already mentioned, hung, uh, feeding the hungry and giving clothes to those in need. But Jesus adds to that, to that prison ministry, verse 36. He mentions actually visiting those in prison. And we have a ministry here in our church that, that, that ministers to those in prison. And in that same verse, Jesus tells us that we should attend to those who have illnesses and sicknesses. Jesus in that text also mentions to us that we are to invite strangers in amongst us, foreigners amongst us. This comes from the Old Testament commitment in Leviticus chapter 19 verses 33 and 34 in which the Bible tells us, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. It doesn't say how that foreigner got there or not, but just we are not to mistreat the foreigners in our land. 
The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. So we should serve the refugee and the immigrant communities in our area. They were not born in this land. We were also directed in several places in Scripture to, to minister to the widows and to the orphans that are in our world. James chapter 1 and verse 27 actually tells us that, that a pure and undefiled religion is that we visit the widows and the orphans and that we keep ourselves unstained from the world. We like the unstained part of the world, but also to visit the orphans and the widows. This is an undefiled, a pure and an undefiled religion before God. If, if we as Christians are sitting in our homes and saying, I love my neighbors, but I don't, I don't know how I'm supposed to serve. Or if we're driving down the road and we're saying, man, I, I love my neighbor, but, but I don't know how I'm supposed to serve. Or if we're praying and we're saying, man, I love our, my neighbors and, and the people all over the world, but man, I don't know how to serve. Then we need to read scripture because all over scripture, there's lessons on how we can serve one another. Loving our neighbors through humbly serving them is all over the Bible, all over the Bible. That's why we're doing the outreach fair next week, because we want to give you the opportunity to, to serve in a, in a tangible way. One of the things we do here is that we're ready to serve, but we don't know what ministries we have we can serve in. We understand we have not always done a good job of that, and so we want to provide you the opportunity to see there is 19 ministries, and then under those 19 ministries, there's some subcategories of ministries even in which you can have opportunity to serve others. And so after both services, we'll dismiss you a little bit early, and we invite you to go back there and to, and to look and to see what ministries there are and to, to maybe think about where is God calling you to serve. And that's what I want us to think about this week. This week, as we, as we leave this place and as we go from here, I don't want us to just leave and say, okay, heard some good song. Carla and Sharon were awesome. Heard a beautiful prayer. Meld or not, I love Dusky, the disobedient dog. You know, Chad wasn't, he at least got a single. We're good with that. Um, whatever it may be. But we want you to leave here and think about God. How am I appreciating the freedom that you have given me? The freedom of salvation that you have given me. Where am I serving? Where do you want me to serve? Now, some of you may be serving in a multitude of places already, and that's fine. That's fine, then, then maybe God will just affirm that you are in the right place. Maybe some of you are in a service job, Maybe you're in the medical field or, or, or you're in a ministry or you're a, a civil servant, but, but your heart isn't serving with that love thy neighbor as yourself attitude. And maybe God will convict you that you need to have your heart transformed in that way. And the answer that Jesus gives you might be to serve through one of the ministries here at this church. And next week, maybe you'll sign up for one of those ministries and begin serving in that area. But one of the values that, that we want everyone in this church to embrace from the pastor right on up is, is serving, is serving as God calls us to serve. No president will ever speak at my funeral. 
Thousands of people won't walk past my casket in state. No books will be written about me and no buildings will be named after me unless at some point the kids build a doghouse and name it Chad. I don't know. <laughs> but, but, it can be said of me, and I hope it is said of me, and it can be said of you, and I pray that the desire of your heart is that it will be said of you. They live their lives dedicated to service of God and their fellow man.